Hey guys, welcome to Trinity Church Online. For more information, please visit us at ourtrinity.org or you can find us on Facebook at Trinity Church of Wheat Ridge or even on Instagram at Trinity Church CO. No matter where you are today, we are glad that you have joined us here. Well, to start off the service, uh, I don't think it's mentioned in your bulletin, um, but we are going to recognize a graduate that we have here. Um, it is Caitlin Moore, which is my sister, um, and I can kind of see her back there kind of like, what are you doing right now? Um, and uh, traditionally at, at Trinity Church, we, we recognize our high school graduates, um, and we, we give them a Bible and we pray with them, uh, and we're very excited for her. Uh, we're excited about the, the next steps in, uh, that she's going to be taking in her life, so if she wants to make her way up here real quick, we got a gift for you. you you, you got to come up here. <laughs> So, <laughs> I can answer the questions I would normally have for her because I don't have a microphone. So, uh, But Caitlin, uh, this fall, is going to go to Pensacola Christian College, um, which is where Andrea and I went too, and also Jared, and also Garrett, and also Sterling, and actually a lot of us went there. So, um, But yeah, we're going to pray for her because uh, we are very excited about the next step that she has in life. So let's all pray for her. Father God, we thank you for Caitlin. God, we thank you for this young woman uh, that has been in our lives this, the, uh, up to this moment, Lord, and as she goes uh, to Pensacola, God. Lord, I pray that it would be a time of just uh, strengthening her in your word, Lord, giving her courage in who you are. God, I pray that as she learns uh, the, the, the area that she's going to be studying, Lord, that she can learn how to apply it for your glory, God. God, thank you for the school that she's going to and how they, they uh, teach in a way that, that does teach you to use it for God's glory, Lord. God, we thank you, and in Jesus' name, amen. All right. <laughs> we, we may have done it next week, but I think she's going to be gone next week, so that's why I kind of, I had to put her on the spot, so. Um, but yeah, we're very, very happy. I'm excited for her, so. Well, we're going to be, we are in 2 Timothy. We're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 2. In 2 Timothy, we've been looking at uh, what we've been emphasizing as the charge of the gospel to the next generation, right? The image that we've had uh, here is sort of like passing a baton. Uh, I know there's a lot of, uh, during this time of year right now, high school track events are going on. Uh, and so actually yesterday, Andre and I were driving around and we saw, I think it was Broomfield High School, they had some track uh, race that was going on. And they, I don't know if it was a baton race or not, um, but it made me think of that. And it made me think of this series that we're going through, and I was watching a video, I don't think I was watching it right, it was just a highlight video, and, and one of the teams, and I think this happened to Team USA or, or Team Jamaica at one point, they were in a baton race and they actually dropped the baton. Uh, I thought if you dropped the baton, you were disqualified, but I did a little bit of research and I guess you're not disqualified, but you're pretty much just not going to win at all, um, right? There's, there's just a moment of, of focus lapse or, or something, miscommunication, and the event is lost. And so that's kind of what we've been emphasizing on, on, on passing the word down to the next generation, on how we need to, uh, as we looked at the last couple of weeks, guard the word, right? Guard the word for the next generation. And, the next, and what we're going to be looking at today and next Sunday is going to be suffer for the word. And that's what chapter 2 is going to be about. So this week and next week we're going through chapter 2 and we'll be looking at suffer for the word. So let's pray. Father God, we know that your word is trustworthy. 
that is good for, for correction, that we can follow it and obtain righteousness through, through, through walking through it, God. Lord, I pray that you would just help us to focus on your word today. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would talk to us and, and communicate to us the importance of this passage and let us magnify Jesus through the things that we hear, Lord, and that we wouldn't just be uh, just looking at a mere blankly, God, that we would just apply it to our lives, Lord, and not just today. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Have you ever decided to become part of something or maybe to start something, and then the more info you find out about it or the more time you participate in it, you're beginning to think you maybe made a mistake? Andre and I, we coach soccer, and the soccer girls, every year we get some freshmen and, and maybe some upperclassmen, but it's typically freshmen where this happens, where they show up, and we have the first meeting, and it's about a week or two before our first practice, and one of the questions new girls ask us is, are we going to be running? And I think that's one of the weirdest questions I've ever heard, because I was like, do you know what soccer is? Uh, you are going to be only running, right? Like, hope maybe you kick a ball, but you're going to be running for sure. And so sometimes they're like, oh, okay, yeah, 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 I know that, I know that, right? And then they go to a couple practices, and they'll, they'll be running, and they go like a mile, and they're like, okay, how much more? And I was like, you think that's it, right? And they just keep going, and they'll, they'll run by, how many more? And then every time they run by, I like double the number. I'll be like, one more, and then I'll be like, two more, then four more, you know? Uh, by now, they don't ask me anymore, because they realize I'm just going to lie to them. But also, I'm like, why would I tell you? You're just supposed to be running, not focusing on, the, on, on how many things are left. Another thing that I think of this is, uh, how many of you have tried to watch your calories when you eat? <laughs> yeah, I, I tried to do that one time, and uh, I realized there are a lot of calories in everything. Like, they were like, you get 2,000 calories. I'm like, 2,000 calories? Wow, that's awesome. That's a daily value, so I just have to eat, like, one less calorie in order to lose some weight? All right, that's great. And then I look, and I get a cheeseburger, and it's like 4,000 calories. And I'm like... I can eat like a half of this maybe? It's one of those things where I got into it and I was like, oh, this is way harder than I thought it was going to be. And, and things were showing that it was not going to be easy. Well, as we enter into chapter 2, I'm kind of getting that feeling. And I think as Timothy is reading this letter from Paul, I imagine he's probably getting that feeling as well. See, in verse 12 of chapter 1, we read, which is why I suffer as I do. See, Paul kind of throws that in there. He's talking about guarding the gospel and he says... I suffer. You know, and maybe Timothy's like, oh yeah, Paul, he really does suffer, right? He's in prison, I mean, he's attacked, all these things. And then in verse 15 we read, you are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me. See, people are beginning to abandon Paul. And Timothy's like, yeah, there was a big group that did abandon him. And he's like, wait, why were they abandoning him? Hold on, is this, what, what am I getting into? And what we see in chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 1, we read this. Then you, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of my witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The first thing Paul says at the beginning of chapter 2 here is, have strength. Have strength. See, if, have you ever done anything like maybe you weren't sure or you've never done before and beforehand they were like, hey, be strong. If they tell you that, that usually means it's something difficult or it might be not as or it might be more exciting than you actually thought it was, right? Hey, hold on to that really strong, right? 
Paul's letting him know, have strength. And he says that this strength will come from God because, trust me, you will need his strength. It's not something you're going to be able to do, right, Timothy? I know you've been hitting the gym and everything, but you will not be able to handle this without God. And with this strength, right, the strength when we're guarding the word and we're, we're using God's strength, we'll be able to pass on the things that we've been taught to the next generation. But in verse 3, this is at the beginning of verse 3, this is where we see Paul is actually really cluing in Timothy to why he needs strength. Verse 3, we see at the very beginning, share in suffering. This is where the truth is actually being revealed. He says, share in suffering. See, part of preaching this word, part of uh, telling people, evangelizing, part of living the Christian life and guarding this word will involve suffering for it. See, the apostles, how many of you know, uh, what is it, Fox's Books of Mar- Book of Martyr? I think that's what it is that kind of goes through uh, how the apostles had died. How many of you have, have seen that or know how a lot of the apostles died? Which one of them just died in their sleep, peacefully in their home? Someone said John. I don't know if it was very peaceful, but yeah, he just kind of died, right? <laughs> he just lived long enough, but he was exiled to the island of Patmos. See, we see Paul, right? Paul was beheaded. Paul was in prison like a ton of times in his, in his ministry. Peter was actually crucified, but he refused to be crucified like Christ, so he was crucified upside down. We also see that Thomas, at least according to tradition, was stabbed to death. That's a pretty rough way to go, too. And we know that John was exiled. But it's not just in death, to the point of death, where we'll be suffering. See, Paul mentions here that Paul was abandoned by those in Asia. He was abandoned by the people that were following Christ, that claimed to be his followers, that claimed to be uh, really brothers and sisters to Paul. He was abandoned by them. See, all these apostles and these Christians, they were ridiculed. They were challenged. And see, they were pushed to the point where they even had to give up friends and family. And Jesus mentions that too, right? When people would ask him, what do I have to, you know, give up all your riches? Or give up, you know, family and friends and come follow me. Those are difficult things. And some of those things may not be as hard for others as it is, but you will find that you will suffer when you are guarding this word, when you are following this gospel. If we want to share this gospel and guard it, we must be prepared to suffer for it. See, there's, there's going to be lots of passages that we look at throughout the Bible that mention suffering. Romans 8 verse 18 says that our suffering won't compare to the glory that we have in heaven. Romans uh, chapter 5 says rejoice in sufferings because they produce endurance and then endurance character and character hope. James 1 says count it all joy when faced with various trials. Psalm 34 says righteous, the righteous will have many afflictions. Not one of those passages or anywhere else in the Bible where you find the point where it's like, if you're walking with Jesus, you won't experience any suffering. In fact, it's the opposite. And there are lots of verses that talk about suffering, and I, don't, I just don't have time to go through all of them. There are lots of them. But what we see as a result of all these uh, these verses that talk about suffering is that we receive deliverance from them all. 
See, that's one thing God promises. He, pro- he doesn't promise that we won't suffer, but he does promise that we will receive deliverance through it. And we will also know or realize that we are more conformed to the image of Christ through suffering. Because it's Jesus that suffered. He lived, I mean, we sing about man of sorrows. He had a suffering life. How do you think we're going to become more like Christ? It's through our suffering. It's through those trials that we will experience. So the point of this sermon and Paul's message to Timothy is to not just leave you at that. All right? Imagine if that was the case where I said, hey, you are going to suffer for this word. All right, let's pray. You know? And that's where we ended it. You'd probably be like, okay, yeah. That's, you know, I know that a lot, but what, how do I go through that? What, what am I supposed to do? How, how am I supposed to react to the suffering? See, we, we know that we all will suffer. And the result of that is becoming more like our Savior, right? So there will be suffering, and the result will be more like Christ. But what's that middle area? What's going on in between? What does Paul want to communicate to Timothy during these things? So how can we as Christians, when we're seeking to guard the word and pass it on to the generation, how can we endure and go through the suffering, these persecutions that we'll experience? So let's see what Paul is saying to Timothy. So the first thing that we need to do is that we must persevere. We must persevere. Now, those are, that's one of those uh, vague Christmas, Christian statements, right? You know, like, hey, just, you know, someone's going through a hard time, you're like, hey, just persevere, you know? Uh, my, my friends, we had been talking about this in our, in our Bible study about anxiety and how sometimes the reaction is, well, don't worry about it. It's like, well, yeah, I know, but that's, <laughs> I'm trying not to. How do I not, right? What can I work on to not worry about that? What can I do to persevere? Yeah, I know I need to get through the suffering, but how do I do it? How do I persevere? So what does perseverance look like? Well, the first thing is found in verses 3 and 4, where we must be like a soldier. We must persevere as a soldier. In verse 3, we read, Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Soldiers get the job done, right? How many of you were in a branch of military? Go ahead and raise your hand. See, we we appreciate you guys, and we know that you get the job done, right? That's what the military is, and your focus is to fulfill what your commanding officer had ordered you to do, right? What would happen if you didn't fulfill that command? They're they're all kind of snickering and laughing, right? (laughs) Like, I probably can't say it in church, (laughs) you know? That's your order, right? That's your goal is to fulfill that commanding officer's demand. Failure to complete that would bear catastrophic outcomes, even to the point of, of death, right? If you don't follow what your, your officer had said, people could die. There might be people who lose their life. So what has the Lord commanded us to do? What has the Lord commanded us to do? See, we talked about it the last two weeks. What is that? To guard the word, right? Right? To guard the word. That is our focus. We must guard the word because the Lord has commanded us to do so, and we are good soldiers that live to that. No soldier gets distracted by civilian pursuits, right? If they're a good soldier, there might be soldiers that do, but a good soldier would not get distracted. So we must not become distracted by secular and worldly thoughts. See, when we're guarding the word, we can't, we can't allow what, what the, what's more comfortable 
for the people or for what's more uh, appropriate in the sense of uh, political correctness, right? We can't worry about those things and get caught up in those things because that will affect our ability to guard the word. That'll affect our ability to fulfill what Jesus has commanded us to do. See, suffering comes about because oftentimes our message isn't what the word world wants to hear. That's why the suffering comes about. See, Jesus says, the world will hate you, but it's hated me first. So when you're experiencing the suffering, right, because you're guarding the word and you're, you're preaching the gospel, and if you're suffering through that, you're doing something right. And that's a hard thing for us to understand because, you know, pain means bad sometimes, right? Don't touch the hot stove, that hurts, right? But if we're guarding the word and we're suffering for it, oh man, this is really tough, this is really hard. And Jesus says to push forward, to keep fighting the battle because the Lord has given us this battle and has commanded us to do so. So that is the first way that we must persevere is as a soldier. Secondly, we must persevere as an athlete. We must be like an athlete. In verse 5, we read, as an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. How many of you know who the Houston Astros are? You guys, baseball fans in here? Yeah? No, not really. Of all the sports, that's probably the one I just don't follow the most. Even when the Rockies were like in the World Series, I was kind of surprised that they were in the World Series. I was like, oh, they're in the World Series? Oh, I guess I'll watch it. And then they like got swept or something. So I don't really follow baseball. I have some friends that that's the only sport they follow is baseball, which is weird because I follow everything else except for baseball. Well, if you know anything about baseball, even if you don't know the Houston Astros, you may have heard of this, but the Houston Astros were caught cheating in 2017. And that was the year that they actually won the World Series. And so what the Astros would do is they would have a man watching a video feed. They would have a camera set up, and they would watch a video feed, and he would see the signs that the catcher would give to the pitcher, and then he would watch to see what the pitcher would throw, and then he would communicate that sign to the batter. And the way that he would do that is he would bang on a trash can lid. So if it was a, if it was a ball that was going to uh, break you know, like a curveball or a slider, or if it was an off-speed ball, you would hear boom, 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 this banging on a trash can. Now, they could only do it at home because they, they weren't able to have that set up at the away games, but they did it at home so you could tell the batter's average and the other, their, their winning percentage and their averages were way higher at, at home. This was a significant advantage because the hitter knew what would happen. So they won the World Series that year. Well, the next year, it came out that they had cheated. There, there was some information that was found, and they, they found the film, and they were listening to it, and they are like, you're right, every time there's a curveball, we hear, boom, boom, boom. And so they found out that they were cheating. So what do you think happened? They were just like, oh, whatever. No, right? There was a punishment that was involved. See, there was a $5 million fine. They lost their first and second draft picks of that next year, and their GM, general manager, and their owner were restricted for a whole year, but in res a result of that is they were just fired. See, in that title, everybody that looks at that title now was like, they didn't win it. It was cheating. They didn't obtain that crown. See, they didn't follow the rules, and they were cheating. So when we're persevering through our suffering, we must, so we must do so without cheating. 
You're like, what does that mean? See, Paul talks a lot about how the Christian life is like a runner, right, or a sprinter, athletic events. But this one is very specific. He says, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. So what, what does it look like if we are competing fairly without cheating? See, God tells us how he wants us to endure and get through our suffering. He tells us how he wants to do that. The first one is we need to be giving thanks. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Thanking God for all things is what we need to be doing. Now, that doesn't mean that we're thanking him for the evil that's happening in our lives. But what we're thanking him for is for the good and the benefit that the Lord is producing through it. See, if we're guarding the word and we're suffering for it, we can know, because God has promised us us this, that we would become more like Christ Jesus. And that good will come from this evil, and we can be thankful for that. So we need to be giving thanks during our suffering. Next one is we need to be rejoicing. We need to rejoice. Philippians 4, 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't be sad. Okay, some people think if you're rejoicing, you can't be sad. There's a difference between being happy and being in rejoicing. See, what rejoicing and what joy comes from is from the Spirit. That's where we receive joy. So it is possible to be sad and rejoicing in the Lord at the same time. See, the reason why we can rejoice is because trials give us an opportunity to bring glory to God. See, I don't know about you, but if you're going through easy things in life and the world is watching you, they don't really think a whole lot of it. And they think, okay, nice. But if you're suffering, that's when people really kind of pay attention. Because if you turn turn your back on God, right, if you focus on that, you're getting all upset. They might be like, yeah, understandably so. But if you are rejoicing... Right? You're being thankful, you know, I know God, you know, this, this, this thing is really hard, but I know God is going to get me through this. All right? And I can rejoice in what the Lord will do. Man, people will, will, they will be shocked. Their reaction will be, like, what in the world is going on in your life? The third thing that we need to do is we need to act on the word. See, this word, the Bible, is our only weapon against the enemy. We see that in Ephesians 6 when it's the the armor of the Christian, right? It says the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is our sword. So when we're suffering for the Word, we need to stand up for what's right in passing it down. We have to use the Word. That's something that's very important, right? If we're going to guard this, but then try to defend it with our own opinions and our own thoughts, it it will fail. It won't go well because... The word can defend itself. I can't remember who said it, and this isn't in my notes, but it was, it was someone that was like, okay, prove to me that the Bible is real. Defend the Bible. They're like, I don't need to. Just read it. The Bible defends itself. You know, the Spirit will defend itself. And so uh, we need to act on the word. When we're suffering, we need to be using it. If we use anything else to fight against our suffering, it's like adding fuel to fire. The only thing that will extinguish what we're going through and, and conquer the evil is the word of God, which is our sword. The fourth thing is we need to cry out to God in this time. See, it is God's strength that Paul told Timothy to use. 
In Psalm 50, verse 15, we read, And call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. See, we will only receive true deliverance from our suffering through God's strength. We need to call upon the Lord at that time. And the last thing is we need to overcome evil with good. In Romans 12, verse 21, we read, Do not be be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. See, our attitude toward the evil that that is brought against us shouldn't be evil in return, but it's good in return. So if we're facing suffering, right, and we're not doing any of these things, we're trying to cheat our way out of it. This is how God wants us to face our suffering, is to be thankful, to rejoice, to to use the word, to cry out to God and to overcome evil with God, any other form is cheating. And if we aren't facing our suffering and trials God's way, how can we expect to receive his reward and deliverance? See, we might be able to get out of it, but we're cheating our way out of it. So we must persevere as an athlete that follows the rules. So we looked at perseverance as a soldier, as an athlete. The third thing is we must be like a hardworking farmer. Verse 6 and 7 we read, It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. How many of you have worked on a farm before or, or would consider yourself a farmer? Is it hard work? <laughs> yeah, right? You know, I'll be out like working in the garden or something. My wife and I, like, we have a lot of plants working gardening. And I'm like, man, this is tough. It's like this much dirt that we're dealing with, right? And literally right across the street from us is acres and acres and acres of farmland. It's hard work. See, a farmer will work hard day and night. And as a result of that is he will receive a big gain because of his hard work. If he didn't put in the hard work, he would, it wouldn't grow, right? It wouldn't be there, and he wouldn't receive the gain from it. I love what J.C. Ryle says uh, about a hardworking farmer. He says, I will never shrink from declaring my belief that there are no spiritual gains without pains. I should as soon as soon expect a farmer to prosper in business who concerned himself with sowing his fields and never looking at them till harvest, as expect a believer to attain to holiness who is not diligent about his Bible reading, his prayers, and to use and the use of his Sunday. Our God is a God who works by means, and he will never bless the soul of that man who pretends to be so high and spiritual that he can't that he can get on without them. See, just like the farmer needs to pay attention, needs to be focusing on the field, right? And it's hard work. It's not easy. We need to be focusing on the word and and our spiritual growth and growing. And even though it won't be easy, even though we will face hostility, we must be hardworking and focused on that. So the Christian that perseveres and works hard will be the first to experience the reward and spiritual benefit of that suffering. Right, so if we're, if we're uh, pursuing God like a soldier, right, if we're pursuing his command to guard the word as a soldier, and if we're doing so as an athlete that is following the rules and we work hard at it, we will receive the spiritual benefits and the deliverance that God promises us. Those are, that's the resultant with perseverance through suffering. 
The next thing that we need to do with suffering is that we must hold fast during our time of suffering. When we are suffering for the word, we need something to grip onto. There was this, uh, this, this scene or this show that I was watching, and this lady was like, she was having a baby, right? And it was going over to like their friends, and they were like, okay, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. And it goes, and it's to like the guy that's next to her, and she's like holding onto his arm, and he's like, <sighs> right? Because she's in so much pain that she's just gripping his arm and like going to rip it off, and then she lets go, and he's like, oh, and they all like surround him. Are you okay? Are you okay? Right? See, we know as we're going through pain, and maybe some of those uh, people that have gone through, through childbirth, right, that have, you know, some of the women in here, you know the pain that it has. When we're going through pain, we, we like to grip onto suffering or something to ease our suffering, right? Well, the same thing goes when we're suffering for the word. What is it that we can grip onto during our suffering? Well, in verse 8, we see that we must hold on to Christ, we need to hold on to Christ. Verse 8, it says, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. So what about Jesus are we holding on to? What, what is something as we're enduring this pain, as we're persevering through it, but we're holding on tight? What are we holding on to? The first thing is Christ's resurrection. Christ's resurrection, we saw that in verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. Matthew 28, verse 19 through 20 says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And it, right here at the end, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. How can Jesus make that statement? How can Jesus make the statement that he is with you always to the end of the age? See, if he had died on the cross and stayed in the grave, he couldn't make that statement because he would be dead but he has risen from the grave, amen? See, Jesus is alive today, so when we are suffering, we can hold on to the fact that Jesus is with us. He is walking with us through this. In Isaiah 43, verses two through three, we read, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. It says, when you walk through the rivers, when the water is overwhelming, when you are surrounded by fire, those are things that will, be, that will be happening. God will be with us at that time. See, our God and Savior is not dead, amen? He is not dead. He is alive, and he is walking with you and me. See, when we're suffering, hold on to that. Know that Jesus is there with you, not dead in the grave. He's walking through you, with you through that trial. Second thing is that we hold on to is Christ's humanity. That's what we see in verse 8, the offspring of David. Hebrews 4, verse 14, 14, 15, sorry, we read, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. God is not only there with us in our suffering, but he knows and has experienced it firsthand. Right? It's not someone that, that God is just there just looking over us, you know, next to us, watching our suffering and be like, oh man, I don't know what that's like, you know, giving you like, advice. You're like, that's not helpful at all. You don't know what I'm going through. No, God knows exactly what you're going through. See, when Jesus became a man, he wasn't some king, right? He wasn't in a position of authority to where he could just sit there and not have to deal with, with the trials of the world, right? 
He was born at, at, at the, the position of a servant. And he went through and tempted in every way that we are, yet he did not sin. And Jesus died on the cross. He experienced death. Jesus knows what we're going through. In John 15, verse 18, it says, If the world hates you, know that it hated me. See, Jesus knows what this hatred's like. You know, if we're sharing the word and, and people are upset and fighting against us, Jesus knows firsthand what that is like. See, the great, almighty, holy God of this universe can genuinely say that I know how you are feeling. And hold on to that. So many times, people don't make it through hard times because they don't have someone there for them. They don't have someone that, that's maybe experienced it, right? And they, they'll, they'll have people that try to help, but it just doesn't seem to help. But Jesus has experienced it. He knows what you're going through because Jesus has been there. So hold fast to that. So we hold fast to Christ's resurrection. We hold fast to his humanity. And the third thing is we hold fast to Christ's gospel. In verse 8, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. I like what Paul says here in my gospel. Is the gospel the word of God? Is it your gospel? Could you claim that, yes, this gospel, Jesus Christ resurrected, that this is good news for me? In verse 9, read, For which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. See, it's because of this word that he is experiencing this suffering. If, and so, so if, you, if you think about it, right, some critical thinking, all right, this word is causing my suffering. So to get rid of suffering, you get rid of the word, right? That's how you can get out of it. That's how you can get out of the suffering. That's what Paul was going through. So if you want to stop the suffering for the word, just get rid of it. But we need to hold on to this word. It is the only thing that will get us through the suffering, right? This is the sword. This is the weapon that we have. See, this word, this gospel is that Jesus came as a human, died, and was resurrected that we may obtain grace through the salvation of his sacrifice. That's a great thing, right? And we need to hold on to that in order to get through the suffering. At the very beginning of this chapter, Paul tells Timothy, to, to hold on to the strength that is given by the grace that's in Jesus Christ. See, this grace is done by this gospel, this good news of what Jesus has done. And I love verse 9 where it says, see Paul saying, I'm bound by chains, I'm restricted. But in verse 9, but the word of God is not bound. See, the word of God can't be held down. The word of God can't be pushed away. Can we reject it and get it rid of our, you know, to stop the suffering in our lives? Yeah, but guess what? The word of God is moving on without us. It will still carry on through other people. So we endure for the sake of future generations and believers that will obtain this gospel. So we're not doing it just for ourselves. We're doing it for the fact that, and we focused on it the last two weeks very heavily, right? That it's for the next generation. We must guard it. We need to protect it. Verse 10, therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So hold on to this gospel and know as you're enduring and as you're suffering through it, know that it is going to the next generation. That because of the suffering, it is going on to the next 
group. So what can we expect? What can we expect as Christians as we're going through 2 Timothy, as we're guarding the word and passing it to the next generation? See, Paul is telling Timothy that there will be suffering. Philippians 1, verses 29 through 30, we read, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, saw I had, and now hear that I still have. We can expect this suffering. Paul's telling Timothy, hey, this suffering, it's going to happen. And to sum it up, Paul quotes a saying, or even a song, and, I, and I've heard that this could be a song, and this is uh, where we're closing today, verses 11 through 13. It says, the saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we also live with him. If we endure, we also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. See, if we die with him, we will experience life because of him. If we endure through the suffering, if we endure with him, we will also reign with him. And even if we lose faith at times, right, if we, if we are faithless and, and struggling with that, he will still remain faithful to us. But if we deny him, right, if we cheat in our sufferings, we cannot expect spiritual blessings and the spiritual because they will be denied to us. So let us persevere as soldiers, as athletes, as hardworking farmers, and let us hold fast to Jesus, right? And Jesus' resurrection, his humanity, and his gospel. So next week, what we're going to look at is two more things that we must do to endure through suffering for the word. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this word. We thank you that you have entrusted it to us. God, you are so good to us. And even though we may go through difficult times and suffering, Lord, you are still good to us. Father, help us to persevere, to be focused like a soldier, to train like an athlete, Lord, to, to be a hard-working farmer. God, help us to hold fast to Jesus' resurrection, to the humanity and the experiences that he faced, and to his gospel, by which we have obtained grace and salvation, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.